Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fair 64, the podcast all about video game news and occurrences. That's right. I talk about the news. I talk about games I've been playing. I talk about games that are going to be coming out. I talk about um, sometimes things that are video game adjacent. But here we are, Fair 64. I'm Yimmy the Ferret, and here we are. We're, we're here, we're ready to go, and we're ready to do another episode of fair 64 thank you for tuning in let's get started with what i've been playing this past week so first thing on the agenda is shadow warrior 3 that came out this past week um it didn't take me too long to beat it it took me about five hours to get through it uh and the price of the game was forty dollars uh you know, I went into it with a with an expectation of like you know a new open ish world, kind of like the second game, right? And I feel like I was I was I was under the impression that it was going to be kind of like this open world thing. You know, every time I talked about it, that's kind of the one thing that I wanted. And the game is it's pretty much a straight path to your objective. There's not there's no deviations. There's no secret areas hidden around. There's no way to go off the beaten path. It's just kind of like go straight there. I will say it is a little disappointing in that in that aspect. Um, and that's what most heavily affects my my rating of the game. Obviously, I, I feel like the game just it needed to. I do a little bit more in that in that way. Like I, I, I don't mind having linear levels. Like that's you know some of the linear linear levels in in Shadow Warrior Two are, are are really fun. And of course the first game is all linear levels, but it's still like a fun kind of you know slice them up, eat them up kind of experience. In Shadow Warrior Three, they 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 did away with the open world. I guess maybe they didn't. I don't know. I mean, the off. The, I guess the offset to that is that. The graphics are way better than any other Shadow Warrior game. Um, the weapon designs and, and stuff like that are, are pretty cool. Uh, obviously, they got a bunch of new enemies in here to fight. They got the new gore kills where you can, you know, literally rip off items from an enemy and use them as weapons. And, of course, they got a bunch of, like, platforming stuff, and they have the grapple hook, and there's, like, these traps that you can shoot and activate, and they, you know, obliterate anything in their path. And... You know that that's all good. That's all good and fun. You know, there's a lot of fun to be had with the game. It definitely feels more Doom, or you know, even at times it feels a little bit like Serious Sam, just not with like the grand scale levels. But there's a lot of enemies who remind me of like, you know, here's the guy from Doom who has the two, you know, Gatling guns on his arms, or you know, here's the here's the suicide explodey guys who who run around screaming. You know, they kind of have that same enemy from like Serious Sam. So they definitely took a, lo a lot of inspiration from those two different series. Um, Shadow Warrior 3 definitely does have its own unique feel to it. Obviously, you're playing as, instead of playing as, like, Doom Guy with a grapple hook, you're playing as, like, a ninja with grapple hook. And I don't know how different that really is, but, you know, just the way that the character works is, is a little bit different. You know, just the way that, you know, Yang talks while he's fighting and there's conversations going on and stuff like that. You know, it definitely gives the game a completely different vibe than something like Serious Sam or Doom. Uh, but they definitely went more towards like that Doom flavor, you know. The the controls are a little bit more loosey goosey, you know. You definitely, you know, you're switching weapons, and you don't have to, you know. Not every weapon do you need to reload after every, you know, every time you, you know, you. And when you upgrade some weapons, it does turn straight into like a, a Doom shotgun where you don't have to stop, you know, you don't have to pull up on the trigger or anything like that. So, you know, the the inspiration is definitely there. It's definitely right in front of you. Um, I, you know, I, I, I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm still just a little bit, you know, just, I mean, a lot disappointed by the fact that the game was just so short. It, it didn't do enough with the time that it had. And with what it did during that time, even though it was fun, it was a lot of the same kind of like, okay, you got this new arena, you got a, you know, another, you know, group of enemies who are there to try and kill you. 
with a lot of different little little minions running around and essentially you just you know just gotta fight through this area then you move on to the next one and maybe there's a platforming section in between and then you get to your next arena and it's not like you're very rarely are you actually fighting enemies outside of these arenas or you know big enemies outside the arenas um and i don't know it just kind of starts to make the game feel a little bit repetitious because you are going through these areas and it's just like, okay, it's another circular ring, but okay, there's no floor. You have to use grapple hooks to go to platform the platform while you're fighting. Like, okay, that's interesting. Or, you know, the next arena, it's like a bit of a more of a square and there's, you know, a trap door that you can shoot and guys will fall and, you know, die automatically to the spikes below. Like, okay, that's fine. The problem is like a lot, you know, there's not a lot of enemy variation in the game. So, you know, each encounter, especially towards the end of the game, each encounter kind of has the same enemy types coming in. Um, they're not really mixing them up too much, right? And, and and usually each time you go into one of these areas, the the same enemies will spawn just to kind of, you know, maybe there's two of them instead of one, or maybe there's five of them instead of four, you know? It's one of those types of things. And there are a lot of little enemies running around along with them, so those guys you use to kill to gain health, uh, grab extra ammunition... Um, some of them you can like, you know, you, you could do a gore kill to the one that like shoots ice at you. You can get like an ice bomb by tearing out his face and throwing it, um, you know, which was, which is a nice one because it freezes all the enemies, makes them a little bit more vulnerable, you know, other gore kills. I guess I'll just talk about gore kills now. Um, there's one where you like reach inside of like this floating head and you grab the energy source in them and you throw and you throw it like a grenade and it, and it just lasers all around, which is pretty cool. I like I said, the one thing that this game really excels at is like the graphics and the visuals. You know, there was a few times where the frames were dropping and I, I was playing on my PC, so it's not like I don't have a good PC. So I, I did have a few moments where the where the frames were dropping, but in general, the game does look exceptionally good, much better than any of the other Shadow Warrior games in the series. So that really does hold it up a little bit more than, 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 you know, your Shadow Warrior 2s or 1s. Um, and with the gore kills, you know, it really does showcase just how kind of, you know, goofy and, and extreme they went with the gore and the effects and stuff like that and the, the graphics. Um, there's another one where you take the sword from the guy, you cut him in half, and then the sword, you know, it auto locks you on to an, any enemy in the area and you slice him up. Um, there's like these accordion type I guess they're called yokai. There's accordion-type yokai that set traps, and if you rip them open, there's like a um, almost like a needler inside, except it's like with fireworks, which is kind of fun to use. Uh, there's these big guys with hammers on their arms. You can like punch off their hammer and use it for a little bit. Um, you know, obviously with the Gatling gun guys, you rip open their face and you, you rip off the Gatling guns and you can use them yourself, which are probably the best weapons in the game. They require three chi bursts instead of two or one. And you get those, you, you get those by just kind of killing enemies. The weapons in the game, like I said, you know, it's nothing like super new to the series, but they're pretty fun to use. I mean, you got your regular revolver, you got the sword, of course. Um, you got, uh, uh, the, the shotgun, you know, the shotgun in the game, there's a grenade launcher, there's the energy beam blaster, uh, there's a crossbow that launches Shuriken, which is kind of fun to use, um, but it, there's nothing, like, super crazy, like, that I couldn't get somewhere else, right, like, you know, I, you know, Doom has a beam cannon, it's just a little bit bigger, you know, Doom has a grenade launcher, or, well, Serious Sam is a grenade launcher, you know? Um, Serious Sam also has a crossbow, you know? I, I just feel like, you know, if you're going to... If you're going to make this game so inspired by these other games, you got to do something to really make it different. And just adding in the gore kills and the, you know, the, the different platforming challenges in each level is not enough because, you know, platforming was a thing in, in Doom as well where the verticality would be something you could use to your advantage or it could be a disadvantage to you, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my enjoyment of the game, not as much as, like, something like Doom from 2016, or even Serious Sam 3, or Siberian Mayhem, or even Doom Eternal, I, I feel like in the range of those kind of games that, that it's trying to be, the, you know, the, the old-school first-person shooters, it definitely comes in pretty low there. Um, it's still a good game, I still enjoyed my time with it, I would definitely wait for a sale on it, though, I mean, for a five-hour experience with not much else to do in it. Um, that does weigh on my conscience while, you know, I'm watching the end credits and Steam is like, hey, you've only played five hours. Would you like to leave a review? 
And I was like, I really shouldn't because I don't, I don't know. Would I give this a thumbs up or a thumbs down on Steam? I, I, I would probably give it a thumbs up only and, and explain, you know, like, hey, you know, short experience, wait for a sale. But oh, there's a list of good things about the game. You know, I think the dialogue's pretty funny as usual with Shadow Warrior games. You know, a little bit vulgar here, a little bit funny here. Sure, one of the characters has a very annoying voice, but. You know, at least the dialogue's fun to kind of listen to. The story's fine, you know. I, I thought the story was, was pretty good. You're going around to different locations trying to beat this big flying dragon. And the end of the game, I mean, the level design in the game wasn't great, but at least the things that happened, you know, in, in, in like, the cutscenes and stuff like that, you know, I thought, you know, a lot of the locations that you traveled to, the cutscenes you saw, those were all really well done. So in the end, like I said, probably wait for a sale on this one. It's 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 fun, it's good, but I wouldn't recommend buying it for full price right now because it just doesn't have enough to it. You look at the main menu of this game, there's continue, there's new game, there's load game, there's options, and then there's exit the desktop. And um, that's just not enough for the price that they are charging for the game. I don't think the campaign itself alone, you know, makes makes that makes you know sets that you know makes that worth the price of a mission you know if there was like a horde mode if there was like a you know i don't know an open world i feel like that would be justified but there's nothing like that in there yet hopefully they'll add something in the future but as of right now it doesn't seem like they have any plans right now maybe some story dlc but I, I was really hoping for more bang for my buck you know you you, you load up doom eternal you know and it has all these different modes that you can try, horde modes and PvP modes. You you load up Serious Sam. Even like the third game, there was like the the boss rush and the horde mode, and there was online. And yeah, Shadow Warrior Three just doesn't have a lot to offer. And what it does offer is good, like I said, but it doesn't offer enough to justify the 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 price tag on that. So you know, as of right now, like I said, I would. I mean, if you're a hardcore fan of Shadow Warrior, you're going to definitely want to play it right away. Um, but if you're, you know, I mean, in, in this in this crazy month of gaming, you know, this game, of course, came out March, I think it was March 1st, right? Um, so obviously that's not in February, but we're still kind of in like this insane, like month and a half, maybe even two month span where there's just everything is coming out, right? And you got to really set yourself apart. You got to really make your, you know, make it worth my time to play the game. And I just feel like Shadow Warrior 3, for the price tag, it did not, it was not worth my time to play, you know, because while I was playing Shadow Warrior 3, I could have been playing Far Changing Tides. I could have been playing uh, more Grapple Dog. I could have been playing Elden Ring. I could have been playing Horizon. You know, there's a whole bunch of other games that could have been, you know, I could have been using that time for, but I decided to, you know, spend it on Shadow Warrior 3, and unfortunately, it, 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 it like, was it worth my time, personally? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, it's hard, it's hard, because I, I like the game, but it's also like, give me more, you know? I guess, I guess wanting more is a good thing in general, but in this case, I would definitely say, there wasn't enough in the main experience. Um, of course, you could go through the game with the harder difficulties, but I ain't going to do that. I already uninstalled it, actually. So, yeah, um, Shadow Warrior 3, kind of like a mid-thumb. You know, I, I gave it like a three and a half stars. Um, I, maybe I could, I could probably boot, boot it down to a three just because of the lack of content, but I'm being generous. I'll give it a three and a half. Um, I finished Grapple Dog. Was a fun time. I'm gonna go through it. I'm, I definitely want to go through it and collect more of the stuff that's that I missed. Uh, but I, I, you know, really fun game. Um, I was able to kind of blast through the ending levels because I had so many gems built up from the previous like five worlds. But I mean, speaking of like quantity uh, and and quality together, um, there are so there, there uh, you know, there's like three kind of like beginner worlds where the levels are just kind of easing you in, giving you some new things here and there. And then World 4 and 5 are like the hardcore worlds, where it's like, and we're throwing everything at you, you know? And they, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I did get a little frustrated with how the physics work with the grapple a little bit, but, you know, you just kind of got to get your mojo going and, uh, 
you know, and, and work it out. So Grapple Dog, if you like 2D kind of, you know, platformers, and if you liked Bionic Commando, um, you'll probably enjoy this game. And even if you didn't play Bionic Commando, I think it's a fun game. A very cutesy. I liked the story, and the boss battles were actually really fun, um, especially the last boss fight. I thought the last boss fight was going to be, like, a really lame thing, and then after the lame part, uh, it, it definitely took off and got a lot better. So, you know, Grapple Dog gets a thumbs up from, from me, for sure. We finished Thief, which started off okay and then got worse as it went on. The game just kind of went too hardcore into, like, the supernatural, like, story, mystery story. They really needed to keep focusing more on the thievery of the game because I feel like it was really strong in that aspect, you know, picking locks, finding secrets on bookcases and picture frames, you know, solving some light puzzles, you know. I felt like that was the best parts of the game is when you're just kind of looting and, and trying to dodge around like people and stuff like that, or trying to, you know, knock people out without another person seeing, turning off lights and not trying to scare birds or, and awake dogs. I feel like that was the best part of this game, but unfortunately just the level design and the story and like, there's a couple boss fights in there and it's like, no, 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 no. You know, it, it just, it was just, uh, so kind of lame i'm not i'm gonna i'm gonna use that word it was kind of lame and honestly i would like to see this series come back i really would but you know take away some of that really cringy edginess take away that supernatural story in the background and just give me the thievery you know make make a make a campaign based around you know getting inside that jewel shop but there's also a bunch of other things you can do in the area right don't make it open world don't need an open world for a thief game. Just go boom, 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 boom. Here's a bunch of really well-crafted levels that give you the ability to go around and do how you know do your thieving how you want to. Of course, that's not the way that this game turned out. I believe this game came out in 2014. It was in that heyday of, you know, Square Enix was trying to bring back a bunch of series. You know, the Tomb Raider reboot was a part of that, which is the only game that survived um, that era. Uh, Thief was a part of that, and there was one other game that I, I, I'm forgetting that came out around the same time, uh, but also met a similar fate to Thief, where it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. Bye-bye, you know? So, yeah, it's unfortunate that we're probably not going to see another Thief, at least not right now. Um, but, you know, I always hold and hope that they're going to do something interesting. I mean, it's not like they, it's not, I mean, it's not like the story was that good, you know? They could just start fresh again, just call it Thief again, you know? <laughs> Thief. From tw from 2023, you have to really specify now. There's Thief from, you know, what, 1999 or 2000. There's Thief from 2014. And then there'll be Thief from, like, 2024 or whatever. <laughs> but that, anyway, uh, I, that's enough. I, I, don't, I, I didn't like the experience. Um, I think I gave it, like, I'm going to give it, like, a D tier only because the Thieving was good. Everything else kind of fell flat. We also finished Lone Far, uh, I'm sorry, Far Lone Sales, which is a game that I chose myself because the new one was coming out. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play the new one in time for the podcast. I'm, I'll talk about it next week. Um, but Lone Sales was a really cool experience. Um, I, I was seeing some weird things online about it, and I try not to look at that stuff and, and you know, go in with expectations. Um, but I, I felt like the, you know, the, the atmosphere of the game, the music, just the sounds and everything, you know, working to keep your little land ship moving was a lot of fun. There were some light puzzles in there that were, were interesting to try and figure out. I, I was kind of wishing that there was like a longer section where you had all the gadgets uh, attached to your, your ship. And you could, you know, just I, I wanted a longer section where it was just kind of like managing it and... You know, making sure that the, you eject the steam so it doesn't overheat and repairing things when they need to be repaired and, you know, bringing down the sails every so often to go through an area. I was wishing that there was like a, a section where it was just kind of like that, you know, because, you know, when you got all your gadgets, you know, there was a little bit of a section where you were kind of going and you were managing everything. But then, you know, kind of like stopped you and then your ship like broke in half. And I was like, ugh. I was just like, I was just getting into the groove, you know, we had all this, all these supplies and yeah, it, it's unfortunate that they didn't like make a longer section where you were just kind of like, 
you know, managing sucking up things to to burn and stuff like that. But all in all, it's a very it's a it's a nice experience. I would recommend to anyone to go and and try it out. Um, I I don't know if it, I think it's on Game Pass. Um, but it's it's a pretty cheap game. It's like five bucks on sale. Um, so I would definitely recommend picking it up. And, and trying it out. Um, there's some challenge runs you can do. Like, you know, you can try and keep the radio in the mailbox throughout your entire journey. You can try and um, do a few different things. So I would recommend checking it out. It's a, it's a nice game. Very lovely backgrounds and graphical style. Uh, you know, a lot of games out there, you know, they, they try and do something really artsy and it kind of falls flat. But this game, it, it's definitely up there with one of those games that really just looks good. And I'm excited to play the next game. Um, I guess not excited enough, but I do have a good a good reason. You know, other than you know, I was playing Shadow Warrior three. I've been continuing with Elden Ring. I didn't get to play like any Horizon this past week. I've been more interested in playing Elden Ring. Which, coming from last week and re-listening to that episode, I think I was a bit too gatekeepy with the with Elden Ring. Um, I would, I would say that now that I'm past like that point where, you know, I'm weak, (laughs) I actually have a build that's going strong and I'm doing a lot of great things now and, and I'm able to get through areas a little bit easier, take down bigger enemies easier. I can see why people are claiming that this is like the easiest, you know, Souls game ever, even though it still has challenging stuff in it. Once you get your build going and you start leveling up, things do start to get a lot easier but there are still, you know, there are, there are still those places where it's like, okay, here's a challenging enemy for you. Let's see how you do. Um, with the game so focused on like co-op and stuff like that, you know, like I, I think I said this last time, but you know, using your summons and summoning in the AI partners, if you're playing solo seems to be a way to kind of negate the extra level of, you know, like these, these, and these, the bigger time bosses are definitely beefy and they can take a lot of hits. So having another partner in there or your summons in there, you know, just using magic in general it seems to be the way to go. But um, I've been using like a tank build and I've been, you know, trying to get like the heavier and heavier swords and stuff to, you know, getting that strength up and the dexterity up. So I, yeah, I've been really enjoying, you know, building up my character and, and I, I've been melting a few bosses. You know, I, you know, the first boss in the game, that little training boss that shouldn't even be a boss... I've been doing the same thing to a few of these dungeon bosses. And here's where I do have a true to heart criticism. Um, the horse combat, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be serious with you guys. I'm enjoying it a lot more now. Um, it started off kind of feeling janky, but I've realized don't lock on to the enemy. That's pretty much it, and then the horse combat feels really good. Besides that, <clears throat> one big criticism I do have is that these dungeons have like reskin bosses or regular enemies with bigger health bars. And that's kind of unfortunate. There are a few bosses in there that are kind of cool. You know, they're kind of different. Um, and I was talking about that watchdog of whatever, you know, last week where that was like the stone guy and he had fire attacks and the sword that was, he was kind of robotic in a lot of ways. And it was a really cool fight. And I continue playing the game and I meet another one that just has three heads now instead of one. And I'm like, well, this is kind of lame. <laughs> You know, I've already fought this boss, and it's kind of it's just, it's just like the same boss with a with with a different head on it essentially. And I, I just kind I was a little disappointed, and I melted through him because you know I got there. Uh, 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 you know, I've been I've been exploring more of Lim Grade Grave right now, and I've been kind of beating things really easy because I went and did a bunch of stuff past Stormvale before coming back. Which is, I guess, an okay idea. I mean, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting dumps of souls. You know, I, I need about 8,000, 8, 9,000 to level up now. But anyway, uh, I just, I feel like, you know, you go into a dungeon and sure, I mean, not, I mean, I mean, not every dungeon boss needs to be like a 10 out of 10 crazy experience. But when you go into, you go through that golden fog wall and you see an enemy who you've beaten like 15 times who isn't even like a different like he doesn't even have anything different about him other than hey it's named and he has a big health bar that's just kind of disappointing to me you know there are some fights where oh now you got two bosses in the room but you know they're still both incredibly weak or you already like you already like there's a lot of times where you already know this enemy's move pattern so it's like okay i don't even need to really worry about what they're doing because i already know that i can you know dodge at this point and hit them and then dodge and then do a charge attack and hit them like it's it's just it makes things just kind of like 
a, a little bit lame, you know? Especially when it's like the the enemies you see throughout the entire game are getting like a health bar, right? You know, it, it's just, it doesn't seem, I don't know, it just, it just doesn't seem, uh, it just doesn't seem right, you know? Like, I, the, the you know, that, that training boss, the soldier of, of fuckface, like, I, 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 I was really ragging on him, but I was at that point where I hadn't actually gone through enough dungeons to see that, you know, it was, it's kind of a running theme where you have a regular enemy with a health bar at the end of a dungeon. And it's just kind of unfortunate, you know? And I know a lot of people will rag on, like, the Bloodborne dungeons, and those are optional, obviously, uh, as are probably these ones, too, you could say. But there was a good amount of of, of special enemies uh, in those dungeons, you know, even though you do fight Amygdala again. But then then you gotta remember, like, there's the big flaming dog. There's the, the guy with the, the swords for hands. You know, there's, um... Uh, there's the big slug lady thing, you know? Like, there's a whole bunch of unique bosses in there along, you know, not... not And I don't, I don't remember if any of them are really, like, a reskin. I mean, I... I well... I, okay, I can't say that because there is the one guy with with the dogs, and he's got the fire attacks, and you do see him throughout the dungeon. So there are, you know, maybe there are a, a few reskins in there, but for the most part, I feel like a lot of Bloodborne's dungeon bosses are are kind of unique in a lot of ways. Whereas when you go to play Elden Ring, and you're going through these dungeons, and you're meeting like the same enemies just with a big health bar, it's just kind of more disappointing. There have been a good amount of of fresh ideas in there. You know, like, there was this, like, shadow guy who did a lot of damage but had no health, and I felt like that was a pretty fun fight. There was another guy, he was, like, an assassin, and he had, like, half health when I walked into the dungeon, like, into the boss room. That was really weird. I don't know what was up with that. Uh, that was an easy fight, too. My my wolves just kind of put him into a corner, and then I hit him a few times. Um, and, and, you know, and, and there was another boss that was, that was called, like, the, the, the Great Pumpkin Head or something like that, and I was like, oh... You know, is he going to have, like, a head of a of a pumpkin? You know, Halloween themed? No, it was just one of those guys with the golden helmet. Same moveset, same everything. He was just named something cool. And I'm like, ah, you just feel a little bit disappointed in those, in those parts. Because it's like, I really wanted to see something interesting. But instead, you gave me something lame. To offset that, though, the bosses that are the main bosses of the game who are unique are really well done. I just beat today, I beat this, like, lady who was, like, in a canoe or whatever, and she was doing magic attacks and summoning skeletons to attack you. And that, I thought that was a pretty fun fight. I had a good time with that one. You know, that was a unique one. I hadn't seen that enemy around anywhere. Um... You know, I, there, there's a whole bunch of bosses that I've, I have enjoyed fighting for sure. And as I get better with the horse combat, I've been I've been beating more of those Night Riders. And of course, the Tree Sentinel has been dead for a while. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things that's like I, 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 I am really, really enjoying the game. But there are a few things that are just kind of like holding it back a little bit. And I think the major thing is like you go into a dungeon, you go through the whole thing, you're having a good time you know, kind of going through this this area, and then you go to the end, and it's like, and here's the wimpy fucker who has an axe, and you've seen him 5,000 times in the game. Like, oh, wonderful, you know. I guess that's my biggest gripe of the game. Other than that, I mean, I guess I should say some positive things while I'm at it. Other than that, I mean, I think it's still a, it's a great game. Is it better than Bloodborne? I don't think so. I think the aesthetics of Bloodborne and, and the world of Bloodborne is, 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 is better in my opinion with the Gothic theme. I, I mean, I guess that's a more of a personal thing, obviously. Um, is it better than Dark Souls three? I don't know. I, I, right now I'm, I'm still enjoying a more like, you know, cause Dark Souls three kind of has like that path that you, they want you to go on, right? There's a few off the beaten path things that lead to some special thing, you know, bosses and stuff. Um, but I, I am more so enjoying, um, you know, the open world and stuff like that. I don't, right now, I can't say that Elden Ring is better than Dark Souls 3. I still really like Elden Ring, and I, but I know I love Dark Souls 3. So, you know, that kind of offsets right now. But I think the ability to kind of, you know, there's so many options for your character. There's so many weapons to use. There's so many different ways that you can build your character in Elden Ring. I feel like that is pushing it up a lot, in my opinion. Like, I've been using... A, a, a few different weapons right now. You know, I started with, I, you know, I was using the spiked club for a while, and then I moved on to this sword that you get from defeating one of those bosses in, like, the, in the, in the circles, and it does, like, it does bleed damage, and it's been really, really cool. It has a really big reach to it, and I finally have been able to use it with my, by leveling up my dexterity. Um, so there's a lot of cool things that you can do in this game, and I know just from a, you know, just from watching other people and, you know, 
watching people critique the game that the magic build is also really fun to use too. I mean, there's a lot of different variations that you can do with your magic attacks, and there's so many different magic attacks. And then you talk about the summoning, the ashes that you can summon in, and there's so many of those that you can find, and you can use all these different ashes. And, you know, the game... The, the, the game does a great job at giving you the options to kind of build the character that you want. You know, you start with a predetermined build and you can kind of expand it and, and grow it into something that suits your play style or the build that you want, you know? And I think that that's one of the things that you can kind of, str- you can start to kind of struggle with, especially in Bloodborne, where it's kind of like you kind of go the one path and you kind of got to go that path. I like that path, don't get me wrong. Um, but there is only really one path to go for in, in Bloodborne, and that's your, you know, quick-stepping, you know, fast-shooting, heavy-swinging kind of character. Um, whereas, you know, you play Dark Souls 3, there's there's a good amount of options, but in Elden Ring, there's way more options, lots more that you can do in it. And that's one of those things that kind of lifts it up a lot. Uh, and another thing is, you know, just like a God of just like God of War, just like Horizon, there's like no load screens. You know, you kind of go from one area to the next. The game doesn't pause. Obviously, the game does uh, fade out when you sit down at a gray spot, which, you know, I kind of understand. You know, it's a little bit more difficult to, to load in every single character on the map that you've killed in a big open world game like this, obviously. Um, but right now, you know, I, I tend to favor games that I really enjoy the boss fights in, in the Soul series. And right now, Elden Ring, even though it's had a lot of good bosses, I feel like Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne just kind of are above that, you know? Right below Elden Ring, I got Dark Souls 1. Um, I, I think that Dark Souls 1 is still a great game, and not the greatest game of all time, obviously, but, you know, it's still, it's still a good game, and I would recommend people playing that. Below that, I have Sekiro. I didn't finish it, and it wasn't, like, my style, but I still respect what it did, and I, I like that they changed up, it changed up the combat and stuff so much. You know, there's a reason why it won Game of the Year, you know, and, and that's because it is a really well-designed game. So don't get me wrong. I like the concept. I, it just wasn't gelling with me. And then I still have Dark Souls 2 at the bottom. I know there's some people who have come out and been like, oh, Dark Souls 2 was actually really good. I'm still not in that camp. I had such an easy time with that game. Even on New Game Plus, I was I was burning through enemies. And all I really had to do was step to the right. I didn't even have to dodge most of the time. I was just, I was just, I was just sidestepping, you know, going around in a circle, and the and the enemies couldn't even track me. A lot of the bosses couldn't track me. So that's why I think there's there is definitely a weird dip in quality on Dark Souls 2 that a lot of people, I guess, haven't found out yet. But anyway, enjoying Elden Ring a lot, and you know, I kind of almost take back a little bit what I said last week where. I was saying, you know, oh, you got to be a Souls fan to play. It's like, yeah, you still kind of want to be a fan of Souls of Souls games and games like this. But there is a good, uh, there, you know, there, there's a bit of a, you know, you could you could definitely play this one first. I, I will take that back. You could play this one first. It gives you the options, the training dungeon, which uh, I guess a lot of people don't know. You got to fall down the pit after you get killed by this by the first like big boss that pretty much will instant kill you. Um, there's a little pit off to the right. You do want to jump down that. That is your training pit. You know, you'll you'll meet the soldier of God, fuck you, and uh, you'll kill him really easily, and then you'll go out into the real world and meet the tree sentinel. Um, so make sure you do that little training area to kind of understand the new mechanics and, and stuff like that uh, and kind of test out your build a little bit because the the most important thing about playing a Souls game is your build. And if you start off and you don't like the way that your character moves or works, just restart right away, get a new character in there. One of the things I do I do wish that you could do with with one of these FromSoft games is to, you know, have multiple save files for different characters, but it's not too big of a deal, I guess. Anyway, still working through uh Elden Ring. I'm doing a lot, so I'm I'm I feel good about my progress. I'm about 13 hours in now. I feel good about my progress. I feel good about the dungeons I've done and the bosses I've defeated, and uh, I'm ready to play some more after I'm done recording this. So let's move on to the big news of the week. Yes, the big news of the weekend. No, I did not pause this, the recording and then record the next morning. You're welcome. Uh, so the, the biggest news of the week is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have been announced. That's right. The next generation of, of Pokemon is coming. Gen, Gen 9 they're on. Uh, I haven't really played a Pokemon game other than Arceus since, like, Gen 5, so, you know, I'm a little bit, 
you know, I'm a little bit behind on these types of things. I do have Sword and Sword, so I guess I could play that, but Sword never really drew me in. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the new stuff on the table. So Pokemon Scarlet and Violet uh, are going to be the next entries in the series. They're, they're supposed to come out later in 2022, which is kind of crazy to think about because Pokemon Arceus is doing really well. And I almost wonder if the Pokemon company or Nintendo thought that Arceus was going to do poorly. So that's why they had another group of games ready to go. But I mean, you know, I mean, what are you going to do anyway? So, uh, apparently the games are going back to a more classic style of Pokemon game. You're not going to be able to, like, run around the world and just throw Pokeballs at things. You'll have to battle them. Not sure how that all is going to work, of course, because there's not much known about it. Um, the setting looks kind of similar to, uh, Sword and Shield. Uh, it does still have, like, those, um, I guess it's supposed to have some more wilderness area areas, but they said that there is going to be no borders, so everything's going to blend together, which means that there's going to be a completely open world adventure. Who know? You'll probably still have to load into areas, but uh, I, I, th I guess they're trying to make it a little bit more seamless in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And it looks like there are a lot of different biomes that you can go to. There's like an industrial area. There's like a lake with a with a mansion in the middle of it. There's like a more kind of like a you know, like a tropical setting and there's a more mountainous region, you know, just kind of like flashing through the different, you know, uh, clips that we saw of, of the game. Uh, they also said that there is probably not going to be like a full Pokedex in the game. Um, people are speculating that because of the Pokemon home app where you can kind of mix and match Pokemon, there's not going to be a specific Pokemon, of uh, Saf, what is it called? Violet What's it fucking called? Scarlet and Vi <laughs> Scarlet and Violet Pokédex. Even though there probably still will be a Pokédex, it's not going to be like the full, you know, 459 Pokémon or whatever. Three of the uh, the three starter Pokémon have been revealed. There's really not much else known about them other than you know what type they are and then what they're called. So the grass type Pokémon is like a it's kind of like a cat. Um, it's called Sprigatio. Um, it's like a it's a green cat with with some dark green uh, accents on it. The fire Pokemon is called Fuecoco, uh, which is a like a little crocodile-type dude. He kind of has like an apple kind of look to his face, but he's definitely more crocodile in nature. Very cute. And then, of course, probably the one that I'm going to start with because I like him the most, Quaxly, which is the water-type Pokemon. It's, uh, it's a duck. It's pretty much a duck. I know Psyduck is the OG, and he, he is still my favorite Pokemon, but, you know, Quaxley kind of looks kind of cool. You know, I I, I, I got to see the evolutions before I fully decide. A lot of times I will just kind of go with the fire starter because that's the one that I've used my entire life. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I might maybe do something different. I, I still don't know if I'm going to get these games. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I'm going to get e either Scarlet or Violet. Um, just because, you know, Arceus, I was playing that a lot and then I kind of dropped off of it when other things started coming out that I was more interested in. I'm probably going to get back to Arceus, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's not like keeping my attention like some of these other open world games. Uh, but anyway, like I said, it's supposed to release worldwide in late 2022, uh, so we'll see, uh, you know, obviously we'll see more of maybe some more new Pokemon that they're introducing, or they'll show more of these areas that you can explore, and uh, uh, Pokemon Company has already announced that they're doing a more Pokemon Arceus-focused Pokemon packs um, that have like the the art the Arceus trainers in there, um, so that's kind of cool. So maybe we'll see a Scarlet and Violet Pokemon set as well, along with the Scarlet and Violet coming out. Also in the Pokemon Direct type thing that came out, the mythical Pokemon Shaman is arriving in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, you'll be able to claim. You'll be able to claim uh, a, a a letter from Professor Oak to add the mythical Pokemon to your team. So you don't even need to go out and catch it. You can just essentially get it from your from your loot box. Um, it'll take approximately two hours of playtime before the mystery gift is unlocked. So if you just got the game, you have to play at least two hours before you get the note from Professor Oak. And you'll be able to claim it until Sunday, March 27th. So that means after that, it'll, you'll probably just have to find Shaman in the wild. That's right. Um, so yeah, that, that was that. 
And then the other thing to note is that Pokemon Legends Arceus got a patch uh, that added a few things in there. Um, there's requests. Uh, you can now do some new requests where you can enjoy after viewing the game's end credits. So this is like adding some end game content, which is nice. Uh, the newly added Eternal Battle Riviere. After viewing the game's end credits and completing all the requests added in the update, you'll be able to access the Eternal Battle Riviere. In the Eternal Battle Riviere, can you please stop using that word? You'll be able to meet Arceus in your dreams and attempt to test your strength. Okay, there you go. New battles will be added to the training ground. New features will be added to the photography studio. A new high-difficulty balloon race has been added to Cor Coronet Highlands. An additional special berry harvest in the farm of Jubilife Village. Uh, changes to the function of the Ginkgo Guild. And also, they fixed some various bugs and stuff like that. Also, as a special gift, also, 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 as a special gift, you'll be getting 30 of each Ultra Balls, Gigaton Balls, and Jet Balls. 30 of each, and you have to enter in the password Arceus Adventure into the game. You'll, these will be available until the 31st of March. And, of course, you'll have to play about two hours of in-game before you can redeem the mystery gift. So there you go. Go. Kind of cool that they're adding, I mean, 30 of each ball, especially the Ultra Ball. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good indeed. So if you want to check that out, make sure you redeem that before the end of March. Gran Turismo 7 is getting some updates after the launch of the game, which I believe the game just came out. I'm not a huge, I mean, I'm not a Gran Turismo guy. You know, Horizon, uh, Forza Horizon is more arcade, and I like that style. Gran Turismo is much more of a, you know, simulation racing game, which is not something that I'm, like, super into. Maybe I'll eventually get it down the road, but I'm not going to get it right away. But anyway, on the official website, the developer has been teasing what you can expect in the future. New courses, new cars, new world circuits, more mission races, more music rally songs, more engine parts to swap out, New lobby features, new time trials for sports mode, improvements to the penalty algorithm, and overall quality of online races. The studio also said, We hope you will look forward to the ever-evolving Gran Turismo 7. Many of the updates for Gran Turismo Sport were free, so hopefully the updates for Gran Turismo 7 are also free as well. Have you played the game yet? Let me know what you think of Gran Turismo 7 on my Discord. Like I said, I'm just I'm just not I'm not a, I'm not a huge racing guy, you know, even Mario Kart's I'll get bored with them after a little while. And, you know, even with Forza Horizon, like even though I really enjoyed the game, it wasn't something that was going to keep me coming back to it because after I did one of each race, I was like, well, I've kind of you know, seen it all. <laughs> You know, I, I tried to go around and do every race that I could. Obviously, there's a few that I didn't get to, but it was one of those things where it's like, I just, you know, it, it just was like, it's just, it's just a racing game, <laughs> and I'm not super into those. Still like them. Don't get me wrong. All right, we have some um, slightly political things to talk about here uh, involving the Ukraine and Russia conflict. Um, obviously, the things going on in Europe really crazy. As we talked about last week, there was uh, a lot of developers who were getting hurt by this whole incursion. There's a lot of developers who had to, you know, kind of, you know, save themselves before continuing to work on the game. And, um, yeah, I guess the, the people who do the, or who are doing the development for Stalker 2 had to delay the game, quote unquote, kind of indefinitely because of the fact that they're, you know, they, they had to leave their offices. They had to, you know, get out of the of the area. And hopefully, you know, they're they're all okay. Hopefully they're all safe. Um, so they came out on Twitter and said, gameplay win is no longer a common question. Now all we hear is, are you guys okay? And of course, they put out a video about their development of the game and how it was going. And it looks like it's, it's I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff with like motion capture. But unfortunately with how things are going in in that area of the world they've had to think of themselves before thinking of the game so that's you know that's fine 
I'm a you know I'm I'm fine with that. Just you know, hopefully they they got safe, and hopefully the other developers out there who um, are in the Ukraine, uh, hopefully they also got out. Or you know, if they're fighting, I mean, fuck, I I don't even know what to say at that point. So um, if you want to donate, you can go to SaveLife.in.ua/en/donate to help support the people of Ukraine. Also, uh, there's a lot of developers who are doing things to kind of like, you know, they're just, they're kind of like taking Russia out of the equation. So, you know, Nintendo, they've, 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 um, paused transactions for the eShop in, in Russia. Um, there's a few other companies who have like eliminated Russia from their games, uh, including FIFA 22, FIFA 22. They took out the Russian national anthem and the Russian football, football team. Uh, in a press release, they said EA Sports stand, stands in solidarity with the Ukrainian people and like so many voices across the world of football, calls for peace and the end of the invasion of Ukraine. In line with our partners at FIFA and EUFA, EA Sports has initiated processes to remove the Russian national anthem team and all Russian clubs from EA Sports including FIFA 22, FIFA Mobile, and FIFA Online. We're also currently evaluating related changes to other areas in our games. And also, EA went with a uh, uh, another game in, this, in, in their franchises, the NHL series. They said that they are sus- um, suspending all Russian and Belarusian national and club teams from IIHF competitions. We'll be removing these teams from NHL 22 within the coming weeks. Uh, so there you go. And also earlier today, Ukraine's deputy prime minister reached out to Xbox and PlayStation about cutting ties with Russian markets. Uh, I don't believe right now they've, they've come to, uh, uh something like that. Uh, like I said before, the Nintendo has already stopped, um, e- eShop stuff, you know, transactions. So, you know, maybe, maybe Xbox and PlayStation will do the same. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my heart goes out to the people in Ukraine right now. I mean, it's a very crazy situation. Things are escalating and de-escalating by the day. You know, it's it's always it's always something different each day. You know, one day they're stealing tanks. Next day, you know, there's a guy shooting down eight planes from the sky. The ghost of Kriev or whatever it's called. You know, one day Chernobyl's being taken over. The other day, you know, civilian homes are being you know shot with rockets. It's, it's just it's horrible. And I mean, I know I'm a history buff, and I and I like you know I like re, you know history with with war and stuff like that. But I really didn't. I don't really feel like living through something like this, uh, you know. But you know, like I said, my heart goes out to those people, and um, hopefully the conflict winds down. You know, what it's not just not just for the sake of these video game companies, but just for the people who are affected by what's going on. So. Let's switch gears, though. We'll, we'll, we'll go back to uh, the better the better things. Ah, oh, fuck. What a bad transition, because the next story is kind of like a downer. Nintendo has officially withdrawn Super Smash Bros. Uh, Melee and Ultimate from EVO 2022. Last year or the year before that, Nintendo had allowed Smash Bros. Melee to be used in EVO. Uh, and that was a big story, right? Because they hadn't really done that since the game originally came out, I don't believe. But that being said, <coughs> excuse me, uh, it's the official announcement came from the Evo team themselves. And they said, since 2007, we've seen historic Super Smash Bros. moments created at Evo events. We are saddened that Nintendo has chosen not to continue that legacy with us this year. In the future, we hope to once again celebrate the Super Smash Bros. community alongside them. This is a very strange decision. It doesn't cost them any money for them for the for Smash Brothers to be played at these competitions. A lot of people train and are really like godlike at at Smash Brothers, whether it's Melee or Ultimate. It just is really really strange that they took that out of the 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 Evo competition. You know, um, there will be a, a announcement for Evo on the eighth of March. So if you want to check that out, make sure you tune in then. Nintendo previously mentioned how it enjoyed engaging with fans in past Evo tournaments. So people are kind of like 
I guess caught a little bit off guard that they would just pull the plug and say no more Smash Brothers. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Smash Brothers is one of the biggest fighting games out there, next to Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, you know, all, you know, King of Fighters. It, it just doesn't make any sense that they would take this away. Uh, it's 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 a it's unfortunate, but hey, you know, Nintendo doesn't always make the best decisions, as we all know. Have you heard of Joy-Con Drift? Well, the Steam Deck is out, and apparently it was suffering from a Joy-Con Drift-type syndrome where you would leave the Steam Deck on your table, you would pull up the thing that tells you where the joy joysticks are, and they would move of their own accord. Um, luckily, though, the, um, the developers, the designer of the Valve Steam Deck came out and said, Hey, y'all, we have a quick side note about the Steam Deck thumbsticks. The team has looked into the reported issue, and it turns out that there was a dead zone regression from a recent firmware update. We just shipped a fix to address the bug, so make sure that your console is up to date. Well, console, handheld is up to date, whatever you want to call it. So um, this, I mean, they recognized there was a problem. They sent out a, they sent out a patch. I haven't heard any complaints about it afterwards. Um, I don't know if it's like a, a permanent fix either. Like if there's still like a drifting effect to the to the thumbstick, maybe this update helps with that. But I, I don't know. I'm not into the technical stuff on on this side of things. You know, if it works, it works. That's really all you can say. Um, Joy-Con drift is still a pretty big issue. Um, I, I, I don't understand why Nintendo hasn't put more resource, resources into making better controllers, at least, you know, that don't have that drifting option to them. I've been lucky enough that I, I mean, only my oldest pair of Joy-Cons have that drift to them. My new ones that I, that I recently got uh, haven't, haven't had the problem yet, so hopefully they are doing things to help with that. And it is nice to see that, you know, this brand new console came out, there was a problem, and they put out a hot fix, and I haven't heard any backlash currently um as of recording this so it seems like that hotfix did the job um and i haven't really heard too much about the steam deck uh i mine hasn't shipped yet so i don't know if i'm going to be eating it this year at this point uh, because the timetable was all pushed back from the virus so yeah um you know i'm i'm, I'm still interested to see how this thing works um is it going to be a switch replacement no because obviously there's a lot of great games on the switch um, but it will be a cool thing to use, you know, that's for sure. But anyway, it's nice to hear that at least someone's looking out for the, the drifters. <laughs> All right, and finally for today's news, Battlefield 2042 is going to have a massive map overhaul. That's right. EA has been listening to your criticisms, and they are going to be changing around how the game's maps work. So one of the biggest issues was there's a lot of walking in the game to get to the action. So they want to redesign the um, the spawn locations and the like. I, I guess the 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 uh, the objectives. Oh, excuse me. The objectives. They want to kind of change those around to make it so that you are in the action a lot faster, and that will that will help a lot, um, especially because a lot of people will bunch up in a, in a small area, and there'll be the rest of the map that just has nothing going on. Another complaint about the game is that it's just too chaotic with, in certain modes, such as Breakthrough, where 128 players are all trying to go for the same objective, and things can come, become overwhelming, especially with how many, you know, you can call in vehicles in this game, like the Hovercraft. The Hovercraft is, 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 is a menace in this game. Um, so, they are are going to be limiting how many vehicles you can use in breakout and also they'll be reducing the number of players in a breakout match and then also uh there's a lot of maps that kind of have a lot of flat open areas to them the one that comes to mind is the one with the rocket in the middle or on the edge of the map that launches um that one has a big open area where snipers can just kind of pick you off at, at, at whim. Um, so they said that they are going to add more places to hide, ensuring that there are more opportunities to hide yourself from the enemy line of sight while traversing from objective to objective. So nothing like super terrible um, <laughs> in there that they are fixing. You know, I, I think it's funny that they actually even called the, the developers themselves are like, yeah, it's kind of like a walking simulator in this quote which is kind of funny. Um, so they're, at least they are, uh, at least they're going to try and fix the stuff, right? Um, I, this has been like the worst Battlefield launch in the history of Battlefield, which is 
saying a lot because a lot of people hated Hardline, me, myself, and I. Um, Battlefield Five wasn't too amazing when it came out, but they 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 continuously worked at it, you know. Um, Battlefield One was kind of good from the get go, in my opinion, but yeah, whatever. But yeah, I, I think that um, it might be a little bit too little, too late at this point, and the damage has kind of been done. But that being said, they could turn it around. They could turn it around. I mean, I have. I mean, I still have a digital copy, so it's not like I'm refunding the game. You know, I can't refund the game. Uh, but am I going to download it again in the near future? Probably not. But maybe. But probably not. <laughs> All right, let's move on to what's coming soon. First thing to mention today is that Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 are all going to come to the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S with visual enhancements, and there will be a free upgrade for current owners of each game. In a Twitter post, they of course said that the games are coming out later this year in, in enhanced forms. People who own the games on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One will be eligible for a digital upgrade at no additional cost. Right now, there is no release window for the games to come out, um, but later this year is a good sign. Me personally, I'm hoping that they do like a, an, a Resident Evil 2 and 3 double pack or something like that, where you can get both games for one. Um, Resident Evil 7, it's, it's kind of hard to do that with because it's such a big game and there's a lot of DLC with it, but I could see them doing Resident Evil 2 and 3 in like a combo pack almost. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, people were kind of expecting Resident Evil Village DLC to be announced, but that hasn't come around yet, which is kind of weird because Resident Evil Village... Well, I'm sorry, Resident Evil 7 had DLC almost, like, a few months later, whereas Resident Evil 8 just doesn't... They don't seem to be wanting to support that one as much as Resident Evil 7 for some reason. Uh, there will be upgrade patches for all three games as well uh, for the PC players at no additional cost as well, so that's also nice for those people. Um, I mean, these are these are games that already look good, you know? They, I mean, I would say they look great. You know, Resident Evil 2 especially, I really thought that, that they did they did they went above and beyond for that game. Resident Evil 3 is good, you know, good looking. I I'm not like a huge fan of Resident Evil 3, but it still looks great. Resident Evil 7 obviously could use the most touching up of all the games, but it still looks good, especially for when it came out. So I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with these, and I, I think I will be running through Resident Evil 2 and maybe even 7 again once it gets uh, the upgrades on the PS5, as long as I'm still not working on other games. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, there is a demo for Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which is out right now. You can play through three levels, uh, kind of messing around with the um, with, with 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 what it has to offer. Um, I was watching a retro fellow play it on his live stream. It looks pretty fun. Me personally, I'm already sold on the game, but I might, I might, I, you know, I, I might, you know, uh, download it to, to peruse around a little bit, get excited for that. I'm already excited for the game though, so it's not like it's going to sell me on it. I'm already, I've already, you know, I'm already, wa I'm already wanting it a lot. Uh, but if you want to, you can play the demo right now. Um, it'll be uh, available. Uh, it's already available, so you know, the, the, you, know you can go and download it now. And play the three levels and see if it's something that you wanna you wanna try. Okay, Republic Anniversary Edition is coming to all platforms uh, this month. It's a ten-year anniversary of the game, um, and it's coming on March tenth. They're making like this anniversary edition. Um, so the game is a stealth action adventure which explores the perils of government surveillance in the internet age. It originally it originally it, it originally released as an episodic game for mobile devices and it was originally ported onto consoles in tw in 2013. This new anniversary edition will have all 5 episodes in one package and it will cost $15. So that's actually pretty good. The game's release will also come with the launch of Camouflage Holdings in Japan, the company's first major expansion with day-to-day -day operations led by the Devil May Cry 5 producer, Matt Walker. Um, so yeah, I mean, I never got around to playing this one myself. I know there was a lot of people who were fans of this game, um, and I never got around to playing it, so maybe, maybe I will get this, like, anniversary edition. I mean, it's pretty cheap, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think I want to try this out for sure. Uh, visually, I don't know how much they did to like the character designs, but the environments do look good. The lighting looks good. So if you want to check that out, like I said, it's coming 
uh, March 10th, and it should be out, uh, I believe, everywhere. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Let me double check. It looks like it's only coming to the Switch and the PlayStation as of right now, and the PlayStation VR. Hmm, interesting. Moving right along. Pac-Man Museum Plus is coming soon to the PS4 and a whole bunch of different places, I'm pretty sure. Um, this is uh, a pack that includes a ton of different games. I think I already talked about this. It's going to have 14 games, uh, including Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, Pac-and-Pow, Pac-Land, Pac-Mania, Pac-Attack, Pac-and-Time, Pac-Man Arrangement Arcade Version, Pac-Man Arrangement CS Version, Pac-Man Championship Edition, Pac-Motos, Pac-and-Roll Remix, Pac-Man Battle Royale, and Pac-Man 256. I thought I already talked about this, but now the, now the release date for the game is the 27th of May, 2022. So uh, if you're if you're waiting for that, that's coming soon. Um, still kind of surprised, like, there's a whole bunch of Pac-Man games that are kind of missing, like those 3D adventure games. Maybe they'll be doing another collection for those. I, I hope they do. Those kind of have a little bit of charm to them, right? Anyway, let's move on. Submerged. Hidden Depths. This is a sequel to an Xbox 360, or I'm sorry, an Xbox One game that came out in 2015. Uh, this is a next-gen sequel. Um, it uh, it kind of had like a bad reception, the original game. Uh, it got a 57 on Metacritic. Um, however, a lot of people thought that the exploration was very relaxing, and they had a nice charm to it. Um, personally, I mean, I'm probably not going to pick this up myself, but, uh, it kind of looks like an open world game where you, you're on a boat, you're exploring, like, these ruins of an ancient city, and, and, like, the plant life is all overgrown, so it does look kind of cool, um, but it's going to be launching for pretty much every Xbox system on May, on March 10th. It was previously released on Google Stadia back in December, on December 3rd of 2020, um, the idea behind the game is that you set off exploring the sunken ruins of a beautiful world, engaging in some light platforming as you collect items and cruise around the map in your boat. There is no combat, um, so it is very much a relaxing experience. You can get it for about $30 when it comes out. Um, so, yeah, there you go. If you want to check that out, you can. Back for Blood is getting its first uh, expansion, right? Its first uh, and it's also revealing the PvE mode as well. So it's called Tunnels of Terror, and it's going to be coming to Fort Hope on April 12th. Um, here's, what's, here's what to expect. You're going to get two new cleaners called Sherry's and Henge. There will be three new Warped Ridden called the Ripper, the Shredder, and the Urchin. There will be eight exclusive skins. Each one is like a hazmat suit for each character. Ridden Hives is going to be an all-new PvE activity, and there's also going to be all-new chests, skull totems, 15 new cards, legendary weapons, and attachments, and more. So like I said, that's coming April uh, 12th to the game. So there you go. Um, I haven't really played Back for Blood since it originally came out. I wasn't, like, digging it too much. I, I know, I know, maybe, maybe I should have finished it. Maybe I should have played it more. But I, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of, of it, but, yeah, what can you do? All right, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands got a 20-minute gameplay preview. Uh, I just wanted to kind of talk about it real quickly. It looks, I mean, I was kind of, I, I, I was kind of like, oh, maybe there's going to be a lot more customization in this game, and definitely there is. You can tell with the, they didn't show the character creator, but you can definitely tell that the characters in the game that this person is playing with are definitely you know, someone made them in, like, a character creation thing, which is cool. I, I think that's a great idea for the game, especially if they're doing, like, this whole D&D fleshed-out experience. The guns in the game, I mean, they didn't show, like, crafting of guns, but it does seem like the guns do have a bit of a crafting element to them. I mean, I know it's a Borderlands game. There's a lot of crazy elements to them. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like they're definitely going in the right direction to kind of expand and create a new kind of uh, a universe for the games. It also, I mean, like I said, they did like this chibi kind of top-down thing for the hub world. So you go from area to area with the hub world, and, you know, that that's a quick way to get around. Nothing too crazy there. It looks kind of interesting. Um, and then they, the 20-minute walkthrough kind of just went through a, a couple of missions, and they showed a couple of the enemy types. And, yeah, there are some similar ones to the Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, but there's also a lot of new stuff in there as well. They showed off some uh, a boss called the 
Volcaner, which is like a dragon head that spews fire. It's like a mechanical dragon head. I mean, it looked kind of cool. You know, I thought it was kind of cool. So, yeah, um, the game is still set to come out uh, on March 25th, which is the same day as Kirby. Uh, so I'll definitely be playing Kirby, but I do want to play this game too. Um, so, yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, here are... Okay, let's, let's talk about some Game Pass stuff. There are four games that are leaving Game Pass on March 15th. That is Near Automata, Fogs, Torchlight 3, and The Surge 2. All three, all four of those games are leaving Game Pass soon. And here's what you can expect to play. Uh, actually, some of these games you can play right now, including Far Changing Tides, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Both of those are able to be able to play. Far Changing Tides is on everything, console, PC, and cloud. Microsoft Flight Simulator, they optimized it for the cloud gaming. On March 3rd, you can play Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13 on console and PC. And then all these games are coming out March are going to be available March 10th, including Lawn Mowing Simulator on the Xbox One. If you recall, they had to delay that. Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition on everything. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy on everything. And Young Souls on everything as well. Guardians of the Galaxy is a huge get. Uh, you should definitely play that if um, if you've been interested in it. I really enjoyed it enough to make it number 10 on my top 10 list, even though it was a little glitchy. Um, but hopefully you know, it's, they've smoothed it out by now. Young Souls is a is a pretty... Um, I mean, it's a very stylish type game. I don't, I have not really heard too much about it. I think it's like a 2D beat-em-up or something like that. So it does look really cutesy. I think I'll definitely check that out uh, for sure. Um, Lawn Mowing Simulator, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, Far Changing Tides, definitely should check that out. Kentucky Route Zero, another game that I never got around the plane, but it did look very interesting. Very interesting art style, gameplay direction. Um, so definitely going to check that out as well. So there you go. Thank you so, so... Oh, I almost forgot. Poppy's Playtime Chapter 2 has been announced. That's right, Poppy's Playtime Chapter 2. It's going to be featuring... It seems like it's going to be featuring a new monster that chase you around. A pink, squiggly type thing. Um, the hand attachments are back, uh, so if you're a fan of those, you can, you can keep kind of grabbing things with those. Um, obviously, uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't get to play the, the original game yet. I do want to play it, uh, probably during Halloween time this year. Um, but there's a lot of people like that game, and Chapter 2 looks like they did a, a visual overhaul, and it looks like they, you know, looks like they're expanding on a lot of the ideas that they already had for Poppy's Playtime. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes when that releases. Whenever that releases, they, they're saying there's a 2022 window for it. All right, now that is officially it. Thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode of Fair 64. I hope you enjoyed. I'll talk at you next week um, with more video game news and occurrences. Um, I also stream on Twitch on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Right now we are playing through Jedi Fallen Order, and we already know what our next game is going to be, and that will be Mario and the Paper Mario and the Origami King. So if you want to tune in for those games, we should be done with Fallen Order by next week, I should, I, I would think. Um, and uh, if you want to check out the other podcasts I do, there's Fubar Ferret, and there's also Film Freaks with a Z at the end. Uh, the movie podcast. So if you want to check those two out, I would greatly appreciate that. All my social medias are at Yemi the Ferret. If you want to join the Discord, link is in the description of pretty much anything. Um, you know, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, stuff like that. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Yemi the Ferret, and I am out of here. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.